boy, you guys are alert. You look great. You're all tan and caffeinated. It's very exciting. My name's Dana. If we haven't met, I'm the executive pastor here at Mercy Road. I don't teach a lot. That's because I love numbers, I love human resources, I like leadership development, things like that. So you won't find me up here very often, but I am back in our offices doing things that most of my teammates say they hate. So I guess I'm in the right position because I love what I do. I love our church, and I'm just so thankful to have an opportunity to share with you this morning. So I want to start by welcoming everyone who's joining us online. Let's give them a... A little bit of clap there. We're glad to have you with us. You're part of our community. And I think it would also be important to start with a little bit of honesty. Don't you think honesty at church is important? Yeah, okay. If you don't say yes, just don't answer. Look on the screen. Do you recognize this logo? Anyone? You might have seen it. Okay, yes, we have hands raised. So the honesty I'm going to start with is I have a problem with Amazon.com. I am on there frequently. I don't have my mobile phone with me, but I often do. And anytime something comes up at our house or at work, I'll think, oh, I can just fix that. Let's have Amazon take care of that. So when I say I have a problem, I don't mean I'm against it. I mean, I'm really for it. And my kids will testify to that. In fact, when I left the house this morning, I said to my husband, I'll break down all those boxes when I get back. You don't have to deal with that. And they were Amazon boxes. So I thought it would be helpful for me to, in the spirit of honesty, share with you my most recent purchases, which you can see if you're on the app. I would challenge you to do that as well, to give you a sense of what it's like in my life. Okay, here's what I bought in the last... Uh, probably week. Litter box, dog food, a book uh, on a Kindle though. I don't like physical books. I like digital books. Um, two allergy proof mattress covers, laundry detergent, coffee, hand soap, and freeze dried crickets. How many of you get your freeze dried crickets from Amazon? None of you? You should. They're the best price. Totally. So whenever you look at your recent purchases, it gives you an idea of what your life is like. So if you can't pick out a theme from my list of Amazon most recent purchases, in the buyer's home, we currently have more animals than we do children, okay? We have an 11-year-old rescue dog, a 13-week-old cat, and a bearded dragon. And that's why we have the freeze-dried crickets, okay? They're not for my children. I feed them proper food, but it's for the bearded dragon. All that to say, I need the laundry detergent, coffee, and hand soap because we have all the animals and kids. So that's the way things are in my house. And even though I have this problem with Amazon.com, and even though I'm spending within budget and trying to get the best price I can, it made me think about our topic this week, about spending money, about generosity, and our habits in particular. Do you know that the Bible mentions money and finances more than 2,000 times? You know, if you are influencing anyone in your life and you were to ask them, what do I talk about most? Wouldn't it be interesting to know their response? I think my kids would say, you want a clean and tidy house. Well, that's true. It's way up there on the list. I want the most to know about Jesus, but they hear a lot about, please clean your room. (laughs) 
<laughs> please don't leave food in your closet, things like that. Well, <laughs> you know, the usual things. But God, in Scripture, talks a lot about money. This is something important he wanted us to grasp. So let's think about it another way. Have you ever been around a toddler? Anyone in here, raise your hand if you've been around a toddler. Keep it up, keep your hand up if you've ever heard a toddler say, mine. Yes, okay. So for the sake of example, I was saying toddler, but I think a lot of us as adults do that, don't we? And this is really hard for me personally in my marriage. And I happen to be married to someone who's really selfless, almost to a fault. Chris doesn't think a lot about himself. I think about what I want a lot. And I've heard myself say recently to my kids, no, I don't want to share my food with you. That's mine. Don't leave your trash in my car. <laughs> right? And I'm not a toddler, if you can't tell. But the more I want to become like Christ, the less selfish I should be because he's our ideal example. And yet as adults, many of us want to cling tightly to what we have and not share it for fear. So I'm going to talk a little bit later about how I saw generosity lived out when I was in South Africa with our mission partner recently. But before that, we're going to talk a little bit about scarcity and abundance. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for this absolutely gorgeous day in July in Indiana. You are an amazing creator. And we just worship you for the opportunity to be here in freedom, to study your word, to be with people we love, and to talk about you, whom we love more than all else. God, I pray that you would empty me of myself and my desires, that you would put your words in my mind and out of my mouth to bring you glory. We love you, Lord, and we just ask that your spirit would be present in our church. In Jesus' name, amen. So there are two mindsets, scarcity and abundance. Have a look up on the screen. I want to show you about the scarcity mindset. A lot of us think that that mindset starts in the wallet. You open your purse and say, oh, that's all I have. It's probably not enough, right? The scarcity mindset really does start in our mind and the way we perceive things. You and I might look at the same situation and see it completely differently, right? We actually see in scripture where it says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Have you ever had the experience where you make a decision about a person or a circumstance and you say, well, this is just the way it is. And then everything that happens after that point in time confirms or affirms your opinion, right? That's the way it works. As we think in our heart, we've decided this is how it is. I know. And that happens so easily with the scarcity mindset. Let's take a look at Mark chapter 6. If you have the Bible app, you can follow along on the screen or one of the Bibles behind the chairs there. This is a popular story you've probably heard before about multiplication, but I want to take a little bit of a different look at it today. Mark chapter 6, verses 34 to 38. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. 
And they said to him, well, that would take more than half a year's wages. Can you hear the scarcity mindset in their response here? Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Well, how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked, go and see. And when they found out, they said, we have five loaves and two fish. The interesting thing here is like many of us who are logical, the disciples said, you know, we don't have enough and they're thinking we need to buy something to solve this problem. Let's send people away have them buy something, and then their needs will be met. Jesus wasn't thinking buy. He was thinking give. He was thinking give what you have, and I'm going to multiply it, not only to provide for others, but also to build the faith of the giver. Okay, are you tracking with me? So have a look on the screen for the definition of scarcity versus abundance. Scarcity says there's not enough. Maybe you feel that way when you receive medical bills or things like that in the mail, right? And abundance says there is more than enough. I find it fascinating that we don't read about scarcity a lot in scripture, but we do see the word abundant, abundantly, abundance many times. And that's a definition of God's love and provision for us. You see, abundance says there's more than enough. At the end of that story, it says everyone ate and was satisfied, and they had more than 12 baskets left over. Not only was everyone full, but they had leftovers. In my house, I think that's amazing. I love when there are leftovers. That's like a blessing because it means I get to cook less. Now, my family, most of them don't like leftovers, but I like what they represent. So that's an important part of the story I didn't want to overlook there. So scarcity asks, what can I afford? That's a simple question, right, that many of us ask. But abundance asks, what do I have? I want you to see the difference, the significant difference between these two questions. A friend of mine said this week, we look at our budget for the month and how much money is in that checking account. And we, instead of saying, what can we afford? We think, you know, what do we have? What can we give? Because God knows we have a mortgage to pay, or God knows that we have these medical bills, or God knows that um, we need to pay for summer camp, or whatever it is. But he also knows he can do abundantly more than all you can ask, think, or imagine. So when we start with that, what do I have, God? What have you given me that I can give? It changes the outcome and our perspective on our lives. If you don't mind, I want to do a little experiment. What's this? It's a dollar, very good, one US dollar. Is this a lot or is this a little? It's a trick question, right? <laughs> Depending on how you look at it, it's a lot or a little. This week, did a little experiment to get ready for being up here with you fine folks and I learned that you can buy a bouncy ball in the grocery store vending machine with this. You can buy four bottles of water at Costco you can buy a pack of gum, and I happen to be in my office doing some work, and an online ad popped up that said you can buy a three-month introductory membership to the Indianapolis Star for $1. That's a lot for a dollar, right? Well, I was thinking about those examples, and I experienced what you might have heard as the pastor's curse on Friday. 
On Friday was my day off, and I was at a stoplight over by Keystone, and I see a woman a few lanes away, and she's got a sign, you know, she's asking for money, she's in need, and I was like, oh, gosh, I used most of my cash already for the week. I wanted to share something with her. Also, she happened to be a few lanes over. Well, as God would have it, she looks up and meets me eye to eye across all this traffic, and she just starts weaving through and walking over to me. I open up my purse, and what I had in there was $1. And this is what I'm talking about when I say the pastor's curse. It was the Holy Spirit saying, are you really going to talk about this on the weekend and not do what you're asking people to do? (laughs) So I rolled down my window, and I said... I'm so sorry, I only have a dollar in my purse right now. I really wish I could give you more. And her response to me was, everything helps. Duh. You guys, it's so easy for us to overlook what God can do through what we have, through scarcity or abundance, depending upon the mindset, which apparently for me changes moment by moment, right? So whether or not you think a dollar is a lot or a little, I have good news for you that you can see on the screen. When we follow Jesus, he completely redefines what can be done with a little. Because a bunch of us take our littles and put them together. And I'm going to share with you in a few moments the incredible things God is doing through the generosity that you're providing in our church. But see, this is the point in the message where you start thinking, yeah, I don't know. If you're doubting, have a look at John 10, 10. And if you haven't highlighted that, highlight that in your Bible or in the Bible app, wherever. This verse applies to not only our finances, it applies to every part of our lives. The thief, that's our enemy, Satan. He comes only, this is his mission, he is only here to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we could have life and have it abundantly. There's that word, you guys, not scarcely, abundantly. And an abundant life is not necessarily one where we're generous. It's really awkward to talk about this in the church. We are not a church that you're not going to find us standing up here asking you to pay for a jet, okay, you guys? <laughs> We're talking about abundance, meaning, meaning being a life of generosity, not necessarily a life of wealth. There's a big difference between the two. But the fact is, everything about God, everything I have read in Scripture shows that He is excessive with His love with his grace, with his generosity, he's extravagant, okay? This is what we're called to do in his example. And his example is more than enough. So if you're looking at life in any part of your life through the lens of scarcity, you will always be fearful and anxious. I had to ask myself about this this week, something I was feeling anxious about, not related to money, but I was experiencing anxiety. And I was just preaching to myself again through God's word. Jesus has a much different plan for you and for me. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, that plan. And the way we can do that is to go back to this story that we were just discussing briefly about the loaves and fish, okay? So most of us go no further in that story than the fact that, wow, there were, it's, they call it the feeding of the 5,000. There were 5,000 men there. Many scholars say potentially with women and children, there were up to maybe 20,000 people there, right? That... <laughs> It's a big meal. I've never held a party for 20,000, but what a catering experience, right? But most of us don't go beyond that part of the story. That's the what. The what of this story is Jesus took very little and he multiplied it into something massive. That's the what. 
But what is the why? What is the why? Why did he do this? Well, it says it right there in scripture. He looked at the crowd of people and he had compassion on them. That's why he did it because Jesus is obsessed and preoccupied with everyone except himself. I'm gonna say that again. I need to hear it. Jesus is obsessed and preoccupied with everyone but himself. He'd been teaching all day to potentially 20,000 people. I think he could have been like, you know what? Let's call it a night. Y'all go get some food. (laughs) It's not what he did. He led his disciples to take part in this miracle. And I think that is a perfect example of how generosity and that mindset of abundance is actually the antidote to materialism. Okay, generosity is the antidote to materialism. And it's also a death sentence to selfishness. I need that. A death sentence to selfishness. Giving makes us more like Christ. But the funny thing is most of us think we're generous because we give. But I believe that being generous and giving are two very different things. Giving is an act. Being generous is a lifestyle. That's who Christ is. Now, most Americans don't feel rich, but we actually are. And I don't mean rich in the negative sense, just having received an abundance in our lives. If you had a place to live, to wake up in this morning before you came here, if you have a vehicle, if you have more than an eighth grade education, you and I are wealthy compared to many people around the world. And that means we're in a position to give generously. And most Americans, like I said, think they're generous, but they maybe aren't. And I will never stand up here probably without giving you a few statistics because I love them. So here's what I learned in the last couple weeks when I was getting ready to share with you. The latest stats I found said that the average American gives 2.8% of their income. And I'm not talking about Christians, just the average American anywhere, okay? Does anyone know in scripture, if you follow the principle of the tithe, what we're called to give? Shout it out. 10%. So the average American, Christian or not, is giving 2.8%. This fascinated me, and I think it's an important message for us in the church. Not to guilt us, but to bring a significant awareness. Christians in America, on average, donate less to a church per year than a Jewish person does to their synagogue or a Muslim person does to their mosque. And about 12% of people who attend a church tithe. So that would mean it's a church of 1,000, about 120 people are tithing to that church. Now, again, none of this is to guilt anyone. I think this is important information because it not only relates financially, because at Mercy Road, we talk about giving not just of our treasure or our finances, but also of our time and our talent. Pastor Rob was pointing out to me earlier this week, you know, this isn't just about giving generously isn't just about finances. It's so easy for us in the church to say, oh, I don't want to be part of an outpost or I'm not going to invite these people over to dinner because I probably don't have enough time. We have this scarcity mindset about our time. It's like we're defending and protecting it. From what? (laughs) Could very well be that God's provision for us is going to come through those relationships and having those people over and investing that time. But the reason we don't maybe give of our time, talents, or treasure, is that scarcity mentality. It creeps in. It's so sneaky. 
And I think a lot of us have been through situations, I know I have, where it feels like we can't get ahead. And you might be there right now. You might say, Dana, I'm in such a struggle. You don't know my story. And the truth is, I don't know your story. But God does. And he still invites you into opportunities to give of time, talent, and treasure to be part of miracles and to also change your perspective and improve your relationship with him. So this is what we do at Mercy Road. We give generously. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. And I want to stop right there and just point out, so that's not why I shared those statistics, was to compel anyone to feel like they have to give. That's not the purpose. It's just to bring us an awareness that we might have a scarcity mindset and not be aware of it, okay? Let's continue. For God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you, how? Abundantly. There's that word again, you guys. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. You know, I would love for this to be said about us here at Mercy Road. We freely scattered our gifts to the poor and our righteousness endures forever. It is truly more blessed to give than receive. But here's the deal. We probably will not give unless we plan to give, right? Like, um, I am not a spontaneous worker-outer. You just need to know that about me. I don't just walk around and go, oh, gosh, I want to go for a run. <laughs> that just does not happen. If it does to you, wow, that does not happen to me. I, you know, I think dates in marriage don't happen spontaneously that much. If you've got young kids, you have to find a babysitter and plan, right? And I've never been on a spontaneous vacation, my husband would like for us to go on a spontaneous vacation. I'm just not good at that. We like took a vacation in June and we had to plan it in February to get everything sorted. But I don't know a lot of people who are able to pick up and move that quickly. There's some planning involved. And I'm giving you these examples because they're fun ones that matter to us, but even more importantly would be a life of generosity. And that doesn't happen without planning. That's because generous people plan to do what is generous. We can think ahead. We can develop a mindset. I was so excited because while preparing for this message, my husband very wisely said to me, hey, while you're preparing this, be thinking about if God's going to show you anything that we need to change, that we need to give differently, that we need to do in our life. And it was really funny because I wasn't thinking about it. And then boom, the next day it came to mind, oh, my dining room table. And if you've been to my house, most of my furniture was damaged when we moved here from Oklahoma two and a half years ago. And that's fine because we don't own super nice things. But every time I eat at that dining room table, I just feel like I can't get it clean enough because it's all very damaged. So we'd set aside some money to replace it. And I thought to myself, what if instead of replacing that stupid table that so annoys me, we give that money in the fall when we have an opportunity for another campaign. And then that dining room table can become our family's example and reminder of praying for what God's doing through the launch of the launch of the Fishers campus and other things that are coming out of Mercy Road. I never would have thought of that on my own because I'm selfish. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, who is not, said, hey, there's an opportunity there. We want to plan to be generous. And that was an opportunity that I didn't see was available. I didn't think of that as money available to give. 
And you see, at Mercy Road, we have a team of volunteers who are part of our Outside the Walls Committee. And they make these decisions about how the finances that all of us get to provide here, how we can share with our community locally and globally. So I want to share with you some fun things that have happened just in the last few months as a result of your generosity through the Expand the Vision campaign, as well as your normal tithes and offerings. Through Inside Out Recovery in Brazil, Indiana, we're getting to help men who've been released from prison live in an accountable community together to go back into the workforce, to get connected to local churches, and we were able to provide, as a community, $50,000 to renovate the building they're living in. Uh, our outpost had an opportunity to go serve there, and it was so exciting to see what God's doing in their lives. 2-8 Ministries is fighting back against the opioid ep epidemic here in central Indiana. So they're providing music festivals as well as solid education to young people to help them avoid being part of the statistics that are happening in central Indiana. The Significant Marriage with Dave and Mary Gothi just recently held a seminar overseas entirely for Muslim couples. How epic is that, that our church gets to send people out who are called to do that, to give their, their giving, their time and talent, and Mercy Road gets to come alongside and provide some of that treasure, and together we see God do something amazing through multiplication. We get to provide support to a couple from Mercy Road who right now are living in a country I can't actually mention from the stage because it's not legal to be a missionary there. <laughs> That's pretty exciting. They're giving their time and talent. We get to come alongside with a little bit of treasure and pray with them and see what God does there. And then locally, if you're part of an outpost, you already know this, each year we get to give about $10,000 in matching grants to outposts to help them do things on mission in our community to make a significant difference. And I love seeing that happen at Mercy Road. And really, there's a pattern here. We can never anticipate what God's going to do, but we can trust how he does it. And that is that we give, God multiplies it, our faith is built, and then we want to give again, okay? Just imagine there's this, it's this flow chart here. Bear with me. We give, God multiplies, our faith is built, and then we want to give again. And that's what's happening in the Mercy Road community. So you might say, how do we give? Well, we give spontaneously. Some of you are going to be interested in giving today to sponsor a child through Horizon International at the table out in the lobby. You might want to start an outpost to come alongside Horizon International and be an advocate for them here in our church. We give strategically, just like I said, praying and thinking ahead. How does God want to use what I have to impact maybe the next uh, campaign, like the Fisher's launch? Do you have a dining room table you're not going to replace <laughs> and use that cash otherwise? Uh, we also give sacrificially. Uh, you, I'm sure, know the story of the widow who gave all she had in Scripture. We'll take a look at that in Mark 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put, and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more, more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And I struggle when I hear uh, this verse used in church as an attempt to maybe compel people or guilt people into giving. That's not why I'm sharing this verse. I'm sharing this verse because I think it's amazing 
that Jesus did not stop the widow from giving. Have you ever thought about that? It was all she had, and he didn't stop her from giving. He knew that. And he didn't stop her from giving because he also knew she would be provided for. And the same is for you and for me. So you might be saying, how do I become generous? Well, I have two suggestions for you. One would be to download the Mercy Road app or get on YouTube and look at the message series that Pastor Josh taught a few months ago called Maxed Out. It's very specific, um, details a little bit more about how you can manage your finances, how you can be strategically generous, and I really suggest that strongly to you. And I also want to invite you to attend Financial Peace University in the fall. We're going to have another class. We had one in the spring that some really fun stories came out of, and I would love to see you be part of that. Just email me, dana at mercyroad.cc, to get on that list, and I will reach out to you to help you get involved in that as well. So at Mercy Road, we talk about giving, as I said, through time, talent, and treasure. And when I was in South Africa, I was really impacted and just confirmed that we have a great partnership with Horizon International because they're about the same thing. I have so many great stories that I wish I could share. I'll share a few of them with you about people giving back, a lifestyle of generosity. You'll see up here on the screen a picture of Tondo. This is Tondo with his mother. And he grew up in the township uh, in Kayamundi where I visited. And he is, he, actually one of his best friends was killed in a gang. And so his mom had encouraged him to get involved in a better community of people. He joined Kiasa Kids, which are the kids that have come here to perform, if you've ever seen them. They're just amazing dancers and musicians. And he joined that program. And now he, he was sponsored. He was educated. He is now a videographer and a DJ. And he comes back to pour into the lives of the kids who are currently being sponsored by Mercy Road families. The next slide is a picture of Sandisa. She is one, one of the best huggers I've ever met. No joke. <laughs> I know that she just ministers to those kids in an amazing way. But she is the specialist who helps with sponsorship. So if you send a letter to a child that you sponsor, she hand delivers it to them. I happen to know that she's also at 3 a.m., but in the ER with a sponsored child because they didn't have family around. She just loves on these kids. And the beauty of her story is that she first came to the Kiasa area because they provide free IT classes and she wanted to improve her job skills. She fell so in love with the ministry that she went back to get a social work degree and now she's a strong leader of their team. The next slide are Cicelo and Vuvu. Cicelo's on the left there and he was here last October. Both of these young people were sponsored kids who've grown up, are educated, have jobs, but come back every week to pour into the Kiasa kids. Cicelo um, provides choreography and music training for the kids um, who get to travel in Kiasa kids. And Vuvu on Thursdays leads a netball team, which is like basketball for the girls. And there are about 1,000 children served, by the way, in this little encampment. It's amazing. So the next picture is my favorite because it was such a precious opportunity for me. This is Dika Lady and her brother, Seftule, and I had met Dika Lady because she stayed in our home last fall, and we sponsor her, but we also had an opportunity to begin sponsoring her brother. And they, oh, they're incredible kids, um, and their mom is incredible too. She is doing so much to care for her kids, and it was such a blessing to me to see that I get to come alongside and be supportive and stay behind the scenes because she's really providing so much talent, time, and treasure to her own children. But I think the thing that hit me was as we left that home visit and I got to pray with their family, Deacon Lady and I walked back 
to the Horizon Empowerment Center and they had just served a meal to a couple hundred kids and she gave me a hug and I just watched her walk away and she went over and started washing dishes. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's so awesome. This is a young woman who sees how she can give back to a place that's pouring into her life. No one told her to do that. She just did it. And she has this attitude of, you know, what do I have? What can I give? And it was so beautiful to me to see that played out in her life. Now, the next picture is the entrance to um, the Kiasa Horizon Empowerment Center, which is where they also, where they provide not only the meals and the education for students and adults in that whole township, but also they have a church there. And I want to show you the next picture because our church was able, through the Expand the Vision campaign, to provide $15,000 this year to begin um, providing repairs in their auditorium. This is their church auditorium, okay, similar to like where we're meeting today. But if you'll notice, the roof has holes in it, and they've had some torrential rain, they've had some electrical issues, they have to make sure there's no cables on the floor, a variety of problems coming in during worship. And so as a church, we're able to provide for that repair, and in fact, when I was there, they just started construction, so it's so exciting to see the physical effects of what's happening through your generosity when everyone gives the little that they have, and we see God do a lot. Well, I'm going to go ahead and ask the band to come back in now. And I have a feeling that if I had asked you when you came in this morning, why do we give or why do you give? You might have said, oh, I think it's just the right thing to do. Or you might have said, well, my mom and dad raised me, you know, to do that. I think it's important to give. And those are probably good and fair and accurate answers. But I think one of the best answers is that because of what God did, this is what we do. That's why we want to be strategically generous. That's why it's a core value at Mercy Road. And when I say because of what God did, you might say, well, what did God do? And maybe you haven't heard the good news. And that is that God is our father and he is so generous that he sent his one and only son to die for us. We don't deserve it. Every day I walk in his grace and every day I fall short, but I still receive that grace that came to me through the death of Jesus on a cross. And it didn't just come to me, it's for every one of us. The funny thing is, it's a free gift. And in America, we kind of don't like to accept handouts, right? We want to earn something, but this is entirely different. Our generous father says, this is just for you. It's not something you earn, but you can receive it from me and experience a changed life. So we're gonna start in an attitude of prayer now. And I wanna invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask you a question about generosity. And that would be, do you struggle with viewing the world right now through the lens of not enough? And it might not just be your finances, it might be a relationship, work, who knows? But if you're struggling with that, I'm gonna lead you in a little prayer right now that could do a lot. Pray along with me. Father, I pray that you would help me have an abundant mindset. God, my goal is not to be rich, but my goal is to give richly. Help me see things through your perspective, Lord. Help me not have a scarcity mindset. And God, I just want to live open-handed and follow where you lead. And staying in this attitude of prayer, you heard me mention just a few moments ago that God sent his only son as a free gift for you and me, and it's not like money. It's not something we can earn. All we do is receive it. So if you're here right now and you're sensing that you have a spiritual poverty 
and you understand you cannot do this life on your own, maybe selfishness frustrates you. Maybe the sense of lack frustrates you. It could be a spiritual lack. And your opportunity right now is to invite Jesus into your life. So if you're ready to do that, remember everyone's heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. So I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand and meet me eye to eye. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in just a moment. If you're ready to commit your life to Jesus this morning. See, he's a generous God and he waits for you. Let's pray. God, save me. Make me new. Thank you that you are so generous to send your son to forgive my sins so I could be in a right relationship with you. God, I ask you to come into my life. Please change me. Heal my past and bring me hope for the future. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.